A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. <laughs> Welcome to Wood Talk. Now here are three guys who came, saw, and saw it again. Until they ran out of wood. Mark, Shannon, and Matt. What's happening, everybody? It's Sean from 557. And on today's show, we're going to talk about handworks, dusk masks Ooh. with beards, quarter sawn <laughs> oak, and why do my miters suck? But before we get to that, we want to let you know that Wood Talk is brought to you by Rockler. Rockler has been helping customers create with confidence for over 65 years. Rockler is giving away a $250 gift card to one lucky Wood Talk listener. Enter for your chance to win before September 30th at rockler.com slash woodtalk. And we wanted to let you know, we have some information here about a winner. <sighs> We'd so like to know who wins. won. Yeah, this one, not only do we know who won, we actually got a comment. This is from John Glick. He's in California. Uh, he was the winner of the June-July Wood Talk giveaway, and here's what he has to say. I started woodworking with power tools about two years ago and have recently discovered the joy in working with hand tools. I'm in the middle of building a hybrid workbench and was in need of another vice for it. Uh, this was perfect timing to be able to use the gift card for a bench vice and some other woodworking accessories. Love the show, and I'm looking forward to making my next trip to Rockler. To Rockler. That's hey, great. Congratulations, it's John. amazing. Yeah, That's now great. we know what he got. So we're, we're tying all the knots here. We wanted to know who wins, and we want to know what they got, and it's happening. I'm so excited. When we especially want to know if you won and went to Rockland and bought a dust mask with a beard. Yeah. That's that's how I pictured that in my head. Yeah. Exactly, right? Like, so in the case, it's it, it obscures your beard, so yeah. you can put the beard on the outside, so it's all continuous. Yeah, or, and even ladies ladies who, can wear it to be incognito. There you go. Those of us who during COVID try to grow a beard and still ended up looking like I was some sort of <laughs> like, you know, malnourished, maybe, yeah. maybe, you know, a cancer patient or something. It just, it was awful. Get yourself a just face wig. Not. It's perfect. Yeah, yeah. that's it all I need. I need, a, I need the beard on my desk mask. <laughs> Good idea. Oh man. If you want to help support this, whatever this is, this show thing. <laughs> <laughs> whatever whatever this it. is, whatever the hell, I don't whatever we're calling this, you can yeah, absolutely do so. Of a podcast, it's, it's it's something, it's something. All right, uh, you can go to patreoncom talk and sign up to become a patron of the show. Uh, who we got here to think? We got Shane Woodard, 
Christian Bear and Jeff Kernelman. Wait, whoa. Colonel Han. Carbonaban. That's pretty close. There were no B's or D's in there, but. Yep, I don't know that. That snuck in there somehow. Good job. That H closed up. When you have a B that's not pronounced, it's silent. What do you call it when the B's pronounced, but there's no B in it? Cremona. That's what you call it. That's what Cremona. It's a Cremona consonant. Add some vowels here and there and consonants wherever they feel like they should go. All right, so on this show, we've got some news, and that's something we used to actually do a lot when Vanderlist and I would do the show. We thought it was like, you know, there's <laughs> there was news. Yeah, there's newsworthy things happening, and uh, I guess they're probably still happening. We just don't notice as much anymore. Um, so I think we should try. <laughs> no one's paying attention. <laughs> yeah, we're not paying attention. We're very we much. We've reached the age where it's just fingers in the ears humming yeah. our own little tune. It's all happening. Yeah. We just don't notice. Uh, I'd like to do this more often, give you guys some heads up on just industry things happening that you might be interested in. So the first one we have here, I don't really have a whole lot to say about it. Uh, Shannon, maybe you do, but Lee Valley purchased Lee Jigs. If you're not familiar, Lee Jigs was a a family-owned jig company. They made some great products. They made what would probably be the venerable dovetail jig, like the one everybody aspired to get at one point. And they've come up with David Mark's dovetail jig. Mm -hmm. I've got that one. It's beautiful. Yeah, absolutely. uh, Yep, it's very popular. So, you know anything about this? What happened? I just think it's a cool story. I mean, it's basically, you know, they're retiring. And I don't know whether it's like the next generation just wasn't interested in running the business, but it was just kind of like, we're going to close our doors and thanks for your effort. And Lee Valley came in and said, hey, we'll buy it. So they're able mm-hmm. to kind of keep it going. I don't know anything about like employment. Um, you know, hopefully no one was laid off in the process, but still, I just think it's one of those things where you've got a company like Lee Valley with like the purchasing power to keep this venerable brand going when mm-hmm. sometimes you just get tired. I just don't want to do this anymore. And you think back to Lee Nielsen, when they first started making back saws, they were independent saws because the independent saw company was kind of like, yeah, we could make, keep making saws, but we'd really rather go into like old tools and things like that. So Lee Nielsen came in, bought the saw works, and now we still have independent saws to this day. They're just Lee Nielsen saws. So here's another great story. So correct me if I'm wrong, but I think Lee Industries invented the dovetail jig. I I was going to say that, but I... Obviously, I have nothing to base that on. Pretty I just sure feel like did. the first dovetail jig I ever learned of was the Lee dovetail jig. Mm-hmm. And everybody else always talked about how like they compared their product to the Lee jig. Yeah, it, it was, was the gold standard. The standard. So, for sure. Yeah. Well, that's cool. It's good to see it continue. I think if anyone can do something great with it and, and keep the brand, you know, what we know and love about it, it would be Lee Valley. I think they're a good company to take that over. Well, good deal. Awesome. Handworks recap. I'll keep this real short. Handworks was awesome. I was the only one of the three of us to go. Maybe Way to perhaps, go, Mark. Mr. Social. Yeah, well, I'm representing the Wood Talk crew. Pound there. that pavement. Good for you. Uh, <laughs> sometimes, look, when you're young and hungry, you just got to get out there. You got to get on, on the doors. <laughs> Knock on doors, shake some hands, kiss some babies, do what you got to do. Yeah, it was even a good time. if it is a hand tool event. Yeah, I don't even know why I was there. I was there giving out free <laughs> sandpaper. <laughs> it was the whole deal. <laughs> that was my, my opening joke uh, was to hand out sandpaper, oh, or sandpaper samples. It was great. Actually, it was kind of fun because one night I wound up uh, drinking some beers with a bunch of guys. I think they were all like hand tool school guys. And I did everything I possibly could to try to convert them mm-hmm. so that they would leave the hand tool school and just run over to the guild and uh, learn how to use some nice power tools. They mm-hmm. weren't having it, but I did try. Um, we, we've, we have a fair number of, of, of power tool users in the hand tool school. We just openly mock them. 
That's yeah. part of the uh, <laughs> they deserve part it. of the T's and Z's for being a member there. <laughs> yeah, you're allowed to use power tools all you want. Just be prepared to be mocked. Um, great show, though. I think you guys really missed out by not going. It was it was so it reminded me of those early woodworking in America shows. The energy there, the number of like talented people that it wasn't just vendors. These are people who are creators and makers in their own right who just make amazing products. So you, you get to see Roy Underhill do a talk. You can go hang out with Chris Schwartz for a few minutes and Megan Fitzpatrick. And then you can go look at, you know, all the amazing booths and these great makers there. So it was, it was fun connecting with a bunch of people I haven't seen in a long time and uh, putting some new faces with names that I've known since then. So had a really, really good time. Um, I hope I've heard, do the, another I've heard the same thing from a bunch of other people as well, like Handle School members that were there, mm-hmm. that it was very, those who had been to Woodworking America compared it to the early days. And then others just said, look, it was such a breath of fresh air. It was so kind of reinvigorating um, about yeah. woodworking in general, because it was just passion, you know, passion yeah. on display, fine mm-hmm. work, fine craftsmanship. So that's awesome. That's good to hear. Yeah. Well, and I'll tell you a different, like just the comparison, because a lot of um, events that we have these days are more general makers events. Yeah. Totally fine. Nothing wrong with that. But they are more generalized. You also find that at those events and at some others as well, like WorkbenchCon is a good example. It's so focused on the marketing side of things. It's just a very different energy. And I just thought about how I felt when I came back from uh, past woodworking in Americas, how I felt when I came back from Handworks and compare that to how I felt when I came back from WorkbenchCon. And you guys know me. I, I reluctantly <laughs> participate like, in... Maybe like more alive, energetic... Yeah. Motivated. But like, I reluctantly participate in all of these ancillary things that are required to run my business. Anything that's not woodworking tends to be like, okay, I got to do the social media. I got to do this, right? When I came back from WorkbenchCon, I did have a renewed energy in a thing. And that energy Mm. was to rethink how I do everything. Like, it's all wrong. Everybody's doing it better than me. I should be further along than this being as long as I've been doing it and everyone has this figured out. I don't, I've got a lot of homework to do. That's how I felt when I came back from that show. When I came back from Handworks, it was more like a renewed energy to do what I want to do regardless. Like the number of people I impact, the most important people, the core audience of mine, those are the people who want to see this type of content and that's the kind of content I want to make. So it was almost like the opposite reaction, not change everything so that I could do what the masses want. It was no, do the thing you're good at and stick with it because that's what the most important uh, segment of your audience wants out of you. So it was a very different energy that I came home with. It's an interesting observation. All right. I like that. that. Good job, Mark. Way to find yourself. (sighs) Thanks. (laughs) I've done done nothing with it since then. So (laughs) (laughs) yeah, it's all fizzled out and I just, I went and bought a bike. So (laughs) That's what okay. I did with my energy. All right. Well, I can get you want to hear that. something funny? It has I nothing to do, do with woodworking. Like, you know Shannon's, you know, Mr. Big Time Cycle Guy, right? And you know, I've got a bike. So there's that. I I accidentally okay. wound up with the same bike that Shannon has <laughs> in, a, in a weird way. Stock is, is really limited. It, I don't view it as an accident. I view it as subtle manipulation Look, via text over the, the last the, two months. You really did plant the seed. I mean, ultimately, in <laughs> yeah, all things so. I do, I want to be more like Shannon. So why not on a bicycle? <laughs> yeah, so maybe taller. I do well, want to be taller. Well, I want to be sexier one, like him. Yeah. One thing I discovered yeah. while you were at Handworks, Mark, um, <laughs> I, I did a triathlon. That's why I wasn't at Handworks. Yeah. And I discovered that I can ride my bike 60 miles faster than I can run a half marathon. 
Okay. So I can I can ride 60 miles faster than I can run 13. Miles. That's pretty significantly good. faster yeah. than I can run 13. Right. And then so, yeah, and then Shannon was, came home and next week raced a train. So yeah, it's fun. <laughs> he's really getting into some weird stuff over there. Yeah. Okay. Absolutely. Maybe Fair. I should have gone to Handworks to get back into the shop. It, it, would, it would have had too that dang effect. Hot. I'll tell you. It's too hot to go in the shop. It's awful. <laughs> All right. Good stuff. All right, let's get to what's on the bench real quick. I got to give you a little preview. We're going to talk a little bit more about plywood and some of the things we've confronted, all three of us working with plywood recently. That's going to be in the next show. So we're not going to get too deep into this stuff, but because that's what we're working on, it will be mentioned here. I'm working on Nicole's second portion of her closet, which is two more units that will go into this little alcove. One is just a cabinet with doors and upper cabinet. And then the lower one is going to be a big chest of drawers. So I've just been dealing with a lot of plywood, dealing with a lot of problems with that plywood, which is what inspires that, uh, that second show that we're going to do. You'll hear more about next week, but all that said, it's just my life is a lot of plywood right now. And dealing with that and a sore back um, is not ideal. <laughs> but yeah. hey, Matt, I meant to ask you yeah. not to cut directly into your segment, but you're doing I have my own segment now? Yeah, it's called the Matt <laughs> the Matt segment. I can't wait for my spinoff like Shannon got. Yeah. You know what? Yeah. <laughs> my favorite thing about the Matt segment is it starts with like 15 seconds of silence and ends yes. <laughs> with another 15 seconds of silence. People so. like that. They can, they can relate. Okay. Well, they can. They get Not the as good to, like, a speaker as you are. Okay. I like relate to, put to the fantastic for, <laughs> well, and the worst part is, is Matt's segment will make more money because those dead air is perfect for auto ad insertion later yeah, perfect. on. So, there yeah. you go. The problem well, is Matt's Todd composing himself. Todd edits out most about of the silences. So it's all for not. Yeah, it's for anyway, us. Nice. What I wanted to ask you was, um, <laughs> as a fellow person who will cut with a track saw on the ground, uh-huh. you, were, you were breaking down a lot of your parts, hand and knee style, which I tend to get a lot of crap for. People like, oh, you're back. You know, like my back hurts just looking at you. And I guess every back problem is a little bit different, but I can tell you I am far better off back-wise working on my hands and knees with some knee pads than I am trying to lift up a full sheet of plywood onto a set of sawhorses so that I can cut it more at what they think of as a comfortable cutting height, Mm -hmm. which actually leaning at the waist is one of the worst things I can do for my back. So did you get a lot of that feedback about like, I wish you Um, would cut it on something other than the floor? The two table saw two sides of feedback on that was I'm, I'm very like, we're in this weird space now where like having a track saw is like the bare minimum now. Whereas like five right. years ago, having a track saw was like the bougiest thing you could do. Yeah. So now it's like, why are you only using a track <laughs> saw? Why aren't you using your panel saw or putting it on your CNC and having it cut out on there? Yeah. I'm like, where, get how, a how did slider. we get here? Where yeah. that's more common than what I'm doing here. That mm-hmm. seems Don't weird. you have a separate building for cutting plywood, Matt? I Come do on. actually, yes. Right. As a matter of fact. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. Break out that uh, Felder slider. To my, yeah, exactly. Things like that. We're like, how did we get here? Yep. This right. is weird. Is, the it other, the, yeah. is it the, um, uh, what do you call it? Like the armchair woodworker situation where they've observed a lot of different woodworkers. So they know there's a better way. They know there's not that they own it or that they've done it. They just know it exists. So they're throwing it at you. A little bit of both. Yeah. I mean, the, there, the there are certain guys some... that have the CNCs to be like, yeah. obviously you're going to put on a CNC. And like, apparently everyone has a four by eight CNC now. Yep, so that's do. like a thing. Everybody. But then there are, there are the armchair people too. Mm, okay. but See, and, and I think this is, you know, content breeds content. There is a, 
I always look at the the woodworker's journey. Like you're in that early stage where you're like acquiring tools like mad. Then you get to a point where you kind of don't really need any more tools. So then you get to the upgrade stage like Mark. Yeah. And it's like, you know, I've always thought it'd be cool to have this industrial machine. So I'm going to buy this sliding <laughs> table saw. Yeah. And then the fact that there's content rolling, it's kind of like, well, now I'm just going to lean into that. I'm going to build a, you know, a separate building and, mm-hmm. you know, um, love her stuff. But I think of April every time we have this conversation, April Wilkerson, incredible business she's created. She spun off her own millwork now. And now it's like, you know, we've watched April from early days grow into this, you know, savvy businesswoman with multiple entities. Now she's got a, like a golf indoor driving thing. It's awesome, you know, but it's like, that's now become like the standard. Um, and I, I think because of the fact that you're constantly looking for more content, it's like, well, now let's, you know, keep raising bigger tools uh, or, or have like Izzy come in and build it entirely out of plywood for you. It can run entirely off a cordless drill, (laughs) right? CNC drill. drill. (laughs) Yeah, it is interesting to see. Um, all right, well, that's all I got going on. Uh, Shannon, what about you? Um, I'm actually doing some more plywood. Oh, good uh, news. The, um, uh, what was it? The the shadow boxes that I kind of supplanted my project. That's out of the way and done, and I needed to go back to building this case. And ironically, as I talk about content breeding content, I'm specifically building this using crappy mm-hmm. plywood. The, the thesis of the content being you don't have to spend $300 a sheet of plywood, and it's more about building to compensate for plywood. So mm-hmm. yeah, I'm having the same fun that you are, Mark, but at least I paid much less per sheet than <laughs> yeah, you did. Yeah, no kidding. <laughs> Maybe in the next show, that'll be part of our discussion is some of the tips yeah. and tricks we use to tame some plywood that wants to uh, misbehave. Absolutely. Uh, what Tune about you, Matt? next time. Same next show. time. Next show. Same Basically, don't listen to this show at all. Uh, yeah, this it's, one doesn't count. Just <clears throat> skip to the next one. That's, that's where weird. the good stuff is. <laughs> Uh, so Matt, your cabinets are moving right along. I'm I'm building cabinets. This is like mm-hmm. the probably the most plywood I've ever used in my entire life, all in one project. If Good. I add up every sheet I used prior to this, Good. here we are now. I I don't like it. Like <laughs> this process brings me like zero joy. Yeah, I don't like screwing crap together and calling Good thing it you a just project. Started. <laughs> well, it's yeah. I got some some more exciting things coming later, but like just yeah. the making the boxes, like right. with, I realized that I get zero joy to pocket holes, and I really hate pocket holes, right. just from like the standpoint of like it's not fun, and it just I don't. There's no. I like joinery. I like I've mm-hmm. cemented the fact in my mind the last few days out in the shop, being like I like actual joinery with like mm-hmm. wood precision and stuff. The pocket hole joints are way too imprecise. And the biggest problem I have with them is that they need some other form of precision to go with them because right. them alone, they, there's too much deviation from what could happen. You can have lippage. You need clamps or guides. Together. Or, you need guides, right. you need clamps, or you need some other thing for alignment that you're going to be relying on. So I'm using the domino, which yeah, makes that's that what I did on a, I did that on Nicole's closet, and I was like, this is – I mean, it's you throwing a lot of tools at the project, but I don't care. I want this to not slip when I drive yeah. that screw. And that's how I'm doing it. Well, so I think it was a few shows ago, we were talking about using the domino, and you said that you never use a slop setting on yours. Yeah. I tried that for the first time on this project. Because I was like, when you told me that, I'm like, ah, that's kind of BS. There's no way in hell that works that well. I've been doing that for all my things now. Everything is no slop on all pieces, all the dominoes on a panel. It goes Mm -hmm. together perfectly. The pieces are exactly where you want it to be. And there's no 
lippage, there's no, no slipping, there's nothing. I'm like, okay, well, this is the way. Thank you, Mark. I didn't believe you, but that's what I'm here for. That's, I'll admit it. You were right. <laughs> so I, I have right. to ask. Hold on. Can we get that clip, Todd? Can what? you cut that clip out for me? <laughs> I want that as a ringtone. <laughs> whenever whenever Matt still, calls You're me. still teaching me things, even though I don't <laughs> want to learn from you anymore. You still do it. <laughs> you just got to pay attention. You could learn a lot. <laughs> it's, it's, it's not that he can't learn from anymore. He doesn't want to learn from you anymore. Yeah, well, it's like us yeah. in the news. We just have our fingers in our ears. <laughs> no, right? no, no, We're no, just no. like, you got to hear it to learn from it. So, <laughs> so, so Matt, if, if you're using the domino and it's lining rather purposely or perfectly, why are you still using pocket screws? Or are you not? Have you like, So that I can take them apart when I invariably make a mistake. Okay. Well, here's, so, are you using glue? No. Yeah, that that's the other thing, question. too. Yeah. I had to do my assembly in place. No glue. It doesn't need it. Once it's secured to the wall, who cares? So yeah. The, yeah, the, the screws are the glue are and the for alignment. So it's the process that I'm, I'm using doing face frames first is pretty typical from like one of the industry standards where you put a, like a, a groove in the back of the face frame or a dado and you run your plywood yeah. into it. So that mm-hmm. becomes your mm-hmm. alignment for where your plywood ends up on that face frame. I'm just using the domino because I don't, really don't feel like running grooves in all these face frames. Domino is real handy for that. And I think it's people using the sloppy fit is just something that doesn't resonate with me. Like I want that, <laughs> that snug fit for a reason. It, it was super break. nice on my face frames, like compared to doing my like pocket holes. Cause like you line up, you hit your center lines for all of your rails and mm-hmm. that rail is exactly right there on that center line from one yeah. side, from one style to the other style. As long as your layout lines are the same on both sides, it's right there. There's no moving around, getting it all crooked or whatever. And I, I think a lot of people have noticed from people like commenting and watching my build, I don't believe that a lot of people have done inset cabinetry based off of the comments that I've been getting on like the techniques I'm using. Because mm-hmm. when you're doing overlay, if your rail's like this, who cares? Your drawer right. is going to cover it. it with you the, never notice. Drawer and a door. <laughs> right. But I got to get a drawer front in there and have that gap all nice all the way around. So I'm like, I need this to actually be nice. So I don't yeah, spend all my be- time fitting a drawer like this which i can do i don't really don't want to no yeah gotta have a square opening yeah that makes sense well good deal i don't like it all right but i'm doing it yeah it's a necessary evil it is i find it to be one of those things where because it's plywood it's like the final thing is almost done right it's like i don't need a rough board i don't have to mill it it's just it's almost yeah, I like almost that in part. its final That's what thing. i learned I, I like that part yeah, I like going all the way through. Like, I don't like screwing stuff together. I'm like, okay, I made a box. Next well, see, doesn't this get at the heart of some of this stuff when we get feedback, like you were talking about? Why don't you use a CNC to do this? There, it does become a point where it's no longer about logic and what's the fastest thing. The reason I don't incorporate a CNC into my work as like a general everyday workflow is because I didn't get into this to work with a CNC. I got yeah. into this because yeah. I do love a little bit more of a tactile uh, experience with with the tools and that's something that will always be there so i think it, it's a very similar thing like you gotta enjoy what you're doing and if the plywood is not bringing you that kind of enjoyment you can see why you don't want to build with it that often plywood and the pocket screws Ugh. yeah no fun all right screws. well we got a little bit of kickback um i think i have these preloaded all right so we got some kickback here at least one of them is no both of them are voicemails so let's hear from uh, willie from freeville dear mark shannon and matt I want to offer some kickback about Bruce Hoadley's Newman J60 jointer and why I decided to acquire such used industrial equipment for my shop. First, Bruce's jointer has an American-style spring-powered guard and is as safe as any jointer, just larger than some. It's only 16 inches. 
It also has a power feeder, which my smaller jointer does not have. Its fence is rock solid, and I can rely on it to stay set, unlike the sometimes wobbly fences on smaller jointers. It has an eight-foot bed, and I mostly work with stock under four feet, so I know I can reliably joint my material without a lot of fuss. It is ideal for face and edge joining the wide 10-quarter ash, maple, and cherry lumber that we make from trees on our property. So I think in all respects that Bruce's jointer is both a safer and more reliable machine than my smaller Oliver jointer. I grew up in the 1960s, and my father equipped our shop with a Craftsman 10-inch table saw and 6-inch jointer. I used those machines for decades until I gave them away in 2005 because I had to downsize my shop for a move to another state. By 2013, I wanted to build a new shop in a large concrete-floored barn. I did not want to go back to the types of machines I'd had in my prior shop, and that meant I would need to strategically invest in more expensive stationary tools over a period of years. I thought that used industrial equipment might offer the best bang for the buck. But where to start? I found Keith Rucker's videos, the Vintage Machine website, and the old woodworking machines forum, and taught myself what I needed to know. I purchased a used three-phase converter and learned how to wire old motors and starters. At the moment, I have seven three-phase machines, bandsaws and table saws, jointers, and a planer, all purchased for a fraction of the cost of comparable new equipment. I like my old tools because they're rugged, dependable, and repairable. With care, they could run for another century. They're also surprisingly accurate. The fences on my table saws, for example, were micro-adjustable long before that was a thing in hobby woodworking. For the right person and circumstances, old woodworking machines only add to the craft. Thanks for everything you do for our community. Willie from Freeville. Awesome. Thanks for that perspective, right Willie. Thanks, Willie. That was really and good. I think for Matt's Matt's uh, spinoff segment, uh, Willie should do like an intro. because It's got a very soothing, <laughs> almost so a like Wobegon type narrative yeah. there. You know, I do I feel more relaxed you, now that I listen can, to that. You tell I'm he's, at, he's a professor and probably he's done a few lectures. Okay. <laughs> I'm so peaceful. So I got another one here from Joe who I just, I don't even remember what his voicemail is about, but I put the note here needs to pay more attention. <laughs> so we'll see what that's about. Hey guys, how's it going? So, uh, just had a nice little, uh, happy incident in the shop here. And, um, I'm trying to decide if I need to blame you guys or not. Um, oh. I'm a luthier and I'm building a guitar at the moment and drilling a whole set of precision holes for mounting some hardware through this, uh, solid body. It's, um, it's a walnut top and a mahogany base for the body with some strips of bloodwood inlaid because I think it looks cool. Um, and six of the holes are supposed to go all the way through for the six strings to come up from the back of the guitar, and four of them are mounting holes to mount the bridge into the top. Those four are not supposed to go all the way through the body, but I was busy <laughs> listening to your podcast while drilling said holes, and sure enough, I now have four extra holes clean through the back of this guitar body. Uh, thankfully, they, uh, they're beautiful holes. They came out perfect, <laughs> but they're not supposed to be there. So nice I know this is probably just me being an idiot, but um, yeah, just a little word to the wise. Um, as much as you guys are uh, awesome at uh, you know killing time in the shop here with me, uh, maybe I need to press pause when I turn on a power tool. That's all. Thanks for everything. <laughs> Bye. All right, we do have a picture really nice of this, holes. Shannon. Make sure you put yeah. those nice holes in the show notes so people can go see oh, this yeah. picture. <laughs> totally. You know what I totally. would do there, right? Like, the, if it's not a functional thing that's a problem, I would just fill those with maple dowel and just yep. make four little white dots for no reason. 
Like they're perfectly See, spaced. They're nicely aligned. Boom, boom, boom. Yeah. They're pretty. Or yeah. ebony, I, right? I, I was yeah. going to say something, something not wood. I would think like precious metal mm-hmm. or something Some like that. Put, put a nice grill nice. on there. Actually, if you did Diamonds. make them, like, let's say the parts, the, the metal parts to the guitar, whatever color that Frets. is, match that, whatever metal. Right. And then it, you'll confuse the crap out of people because it'll look like it's a component that needs to be there. And it's yes. just decorative. Yeah. I, I would start a like, whole new trend. Route a groove and connect all the dots together and make it like a line. Just the bar. Like an actual fret in it. Really yeah, yeah, yeah. People. It's <laughs> there like, we go. An extra fret. It's like <laughs> a, ghost, a ghost fret for no uh, reason. This, you know, for this, the is, this is the brown note fret. It's yeah. the brown note fret. Absolutely. That's pretty good. Hey, you yeah. guys know who else won't make you fret? Oh, God. Oh, well done. Well done. Is it's it one of your better ones. I'll give you that. <laughs> kind of felt weak to me, but... <laughs> All right. I mean, yeah, but it was like a pun yeah, as well. Yeah, sort of. All right. I'm improving. Yeah. I'm getting better. It's only been like three years, so yeah. I'm getting there. All right. Well, Rockler wants you to know about their Dust Right Quick Connect router dust port and plate. This thing is really cool. You guys got to check it out. Rockler is excited to introduce the Dust Right Quick Connect router dust port. This little gem surrounds the router bit to dramatically improve dust collection from above the workpiece. It includes a plate that attaches to most midsize routers and a clever rotational adjustment system that allows the shroud to move up and down, ensuring that the bit is completely enclosed. The base plate is clear acrylics so you always have visibility. You can pick one up today at your local Rockler store or at rockler.com, and we have a link in the show notes if you want to go there directly. So, if you guys aren't familiar, this is kind of like one of the things I love about my Festool routers, is it has a shrouded sort of dust collection system built in. Well, this is something that could be added to any other router that effectively does the same thing. And let me tell you, like, you think it's a creature comfort to oh, just, yeah. oh, like all my right router dust is there. taken care of? Uh, it is so nice to not have dust just blowing all over the place whenever you're doing basic routing operations. Um, it really is a, a nice addition to the shop. So the fact that they've got a generic one that probably fits, you know, most routers out there, definitely something you want to look at. It kind of surprises me that it took someone, maybe there was a patent, like Festool's patent, and they couldn't do anything, kind of like the Traxall thing where yeah, suddenly everybody maybe. gets a Traxall. But like that was the whole reason that I bought, what was that, the OF... 300 or whatever oh, router yeah F- yeah festing hunter that 1400 that thing was awesome festing hundred <laughs> festing that is also yeah. not a word <laughs> <laughs> okay yeah but you yeah you can go to rock to rent your festing hundred if you want <laughs> right only the festing hundred though 3499 yeah. too um so cool there is another one on the market um oneida has one that's but it, I don't think it's got this kind of rotational thing going on. There's there's a lot more to this one. At 34 bucks. that's going to be hard to beat. So try it out. Let us know what you guys think. It's definitely worth it to get that dust under control in your shop. So looks Somebody like needs good. to invent this for track saws now. Yeah. Well, everybody's got them, so you figure someone would invent it at some point. Right? Everybody's got a track dust saw. Dust shroud dust for my track saw. Shroud. Nothing's going to help you on that outside cut, though. Crap flies. That's everywhere. why I want the shroud. <laughs> All right, let's get to our questions today. I got one here from Monty. He says, I've been doing more and more hand tool woodworking, so less and less dust producing activities, but I still have occasion to use the regular power tools for certain things. 
I've been striving to get better performance from my roll-around single-stage DC with add-on Cyclone pre-separator and upgrading my handheld power tools to ones with better built-in dust extraction. You should probably, for your router, I know where you can go get a nice little uh, add-on. That'll keep that under control. But there are still operations like the edge cut on the table saw or with the router that just spew crap everywhere. One area I need to probably do better on is wearing some sort of dust mask and or respirator. I've avoided wearing them in the past due to having a beard and knowing that masks get a very poor, if any, seal as a result. Um, considering getting something like the Trend Air Shield, which is a powered respirator and face shield, and was wondering if you have any other suggestions. The funny thing is, you know it's not as effective with a beard, so you wear nothing. That's kind of yeah. silly. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, that's not the choice to make there, Monty. Just put the mask on. It's better than nothing. I definitely feel like when I've got a little more 5 o'clock shadow, where I do actually some seasons, I do wind up growing a beard, um, it's not very thick, but even then I can kind of feel like it's not as effective, but it is still very effective. It's not perfect, but compared to nothing, it's incredibly effective. Most of my breath is being passed through that respirator. So please absolutely still use something. But if you're going to these other things, they are great options. Of course, Trend Air Shield is the one that I think most people know about. We did an ad one time a couple years ago with Peak Safety. That's P-E-K-E. They also make a very comparable sort of air shield style mask. Um, those things can be great. I found them uncomfortable, personally. The reason they were uncomfortable for me is air blowing across the front of my face gave me very dry eyes. <laughs> like, oh, it was, yeah, and I guess that's the other thing. I was in Denver at the time, so maybe that's different here where it's a lot more humid. But if you're in a dry climate, I personally found it very uncomfortable so I don't know. Um, your violet, mileage may vary there. The, inside the hood, lift it up. Those little spritz of air, spritz of water <laughs> just get a little, yeah, a little mist will yeah. do you nicely. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, I don't with a beard. That is kind of the go-to solution for people who are concerned about that. Is to get that kind of a face shield. Your whole face is part of this filtered air system. And if it's hot, it actually might wind up being more comfortable if it's blowing air across your face. So my recommendation I, would be uh, check out Peak Safety, and then of course that air shield. I have to feel like that that's like going a bit too far, like to, to back up what you're saying, Mark, mm-hmm. like it's still better than nothing. Like if, I mean, Monty, um, he's a hand tool school member. So I know most of the time he's using hand tools like a good boy. Um, Not for long. Like, if I have anything to do with it. <laughs> yeah. But um, let me like buy you a beer, if, Monty. Uh-huh. If if he's, you know, there's always that operation I find even in my shop, sometimes even certain hand tool operations that are going to produce a lot more dust, like hand sawing in general, it's dumping like as you come up on the backstroke, it's dumping dust right by your face. Mm-hmm. So, you know, that I don't care, you know, what if you're not wearing a respirator, you're sucking in a lot of stuff. And if you're sucking in the big chips, you're certainly sucking in the really small harmful things. So I would just think for like the limited time that he's doing things, just throwing on that dust mask, mm-hmm. um, you know, it's going to filter the immediate thing and having something like an air filter, air cleaner in your shop just to get the long standing stuff, I think would probably be rather than going and, you know, I, these trend things, they're what, 150? I don't know. I haven't priced them in so long. They're not cheap. No, they're not. But you're also like not going to be wearing them that often. Like you take them on and off. I just feel like getting a good respirator and then getting an air cleaner would be the better solution in the long run. 390. And put some Vaseline on the beard and that'll cause the, the, uh, <laughs> and that'll get you that. up with some Vaseline. That'll get you that seal you're looking for. There you go. <laughs> yeah. 390 bucks for the trend air shield pro. Jeez, and I, I was way off. I believe <laughs> that the peak safety is a little bit cheaper. 
It's called the power cap respirator. Let's see if that's on Amazon or not. I mean, the reason I say that is like trend, it's always marketed to wood turners because they're all day spewing stuff in their face, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, Whereas most of the time, you're not like when you're working on a table saw or you're doing those those track saw cuts, it's spewing dust, but it's not spewing it into your face. Mm-hmm. And if it is, that's what that little like rotational dust port thing is. <laughs> turn that away. Like don't use the snowblower blowing at you, you know, turn it off. Um, and, and the majority of that stuff, if you've just got the respirator on, I think you'll be okay. Yeah. And then like either leave the shop for the dust to settle or turn on your air cleaner and let that do the, mm-hmm. the heavy lifting rather than, you know, spending $400 you could use to, you know, buy, I don't know. There's no price to be put on your health, but it just seems like overkill. I think it's also worth the time to like, and money to invest in a small, um, I forget the brand that I have, the, the little dust uh, monitor. Oh, so you can kind of look yeah. at Dilos. Yeah, Dylos, that's what it is. So one of those, while I don't think you're looking at it for absolute accuracy in the numbers, what you could look at is relative accuracy. Yeah, the delta, sure. Mm-hmm. So you could look at like, here's the state when there is no dust in my shop. I just walked in in the morning. This is where the number is. Now I start working. And you can actually see what you're exposing yourself to. It may not be as bad as you think. It may be way worse than you think. But again, ultimately, get that mask on and then look at those numbers. You might be able to get away without it. That is a big investment in in something like that. So something to think about. Okay, Jackson, you're up. Uh, This is from Chuck. And I I love this question because this is one of those questions that I think we all just assume people know answers to and and nobody really ever talks about it. So Mm -hmm. Chuck said, um, I'm starting to make an arts and crafts lamp that calls for Cortison White Oak. Is this something I can ask my local hardwood seller for? So Chuck, this is, I would say, the only species that you can actually ask your hardwood seller <laughs> That's the good for Cortison. Maybe <laughs> Sapili. Cortison Sapili, Cortison White Oak. Those are probably the only species that people are specifically cutting and specifically stocking that cut of the same species. Mm-hmm. Whereas if you went in and said, I want Cortison Maple or Cortison Cherry or Walnut, they're going to say, there's the stack of walnut. Go knock yourself yeah. out. Like, go sort for it. Can I get some quarter so, saw wengi? <laughs> yep. It's right over there. In with the flat saw and the riff saw and every other saw, you know, yeah. go dig it out. This so the important part, out. Chuck, is... Yeah, it's, just, it's right, the last exactly. two inches of this board. <laughs> exactly. That's, that's exactly where I'm going with this is there is generally a little bit of quartered rift and flat in every board. So you can go and buy specifically quarters on white oak and you will probably pay more for it. Although right now, as this is being recorded in September of 2023, I think you will find that quarters on white oak tends to be one of the cheaper cuts of white oak because white oak is so incredibly popular right now. Rift is super expensive. Flats on is expensive. Quarters on is the cheapest of the three right hmm. now. So for now, you could probably get it cheaper. But if you go and buy the flats on, what you'll find is on either side of that cathedral pattern, is rift and quartered stock. So if you, if for YouTube watchers, or if you're not watching YouTube, here's a good time to tune in. You've got that little frown or smiley face on the board. Those side parts of the curve is rift and quartered. So you can buy any old flats on board. Good <laughs> Lord. Don't be able to now watch. Is when you tune out of YouTube because of what Mark's doing right now. I want to make sure people are getting something good for their money. Oh, oh Lord. I'm trying to educate people. <laughs> This is the content that Mark wants to create. This is what he learned in Handworks. This content. I was inspired. Sorry. Yeah. Go anyway, on. trying to teach people here, Mark. We're trying to talk about wood on Wood Talk. Okay. Sorry. Yeah. 
Foreign so concept. Chuck, easy answer is if you really want an answer to this, tune into the Lumber Update where there's actual oh, useful information of that's done. Uh-huh. <clears throat> no, seriously. Now, <laughs> for quarter sawn white oak, yes, you can go and buy it. You might end up spending a little bit more money. Or if you know like your parts list, like he's building a lamp. It's probably not really wide pieces. I would actually recommend going and buying flat sawn and then cutting the wood on either side of the cathedral pattern out in order to get quartered and rift. And you'll actually be able to use the the center cathedral pattern maybe for something else. And you won't necessarily have to go and dig through a bunch of piles of lumber in order to Mm -hmm. do that. There you go. There's the the long answer is yes, you could, but probably don't. Okay. All right, Matt, (laughs) you're up. just confuse things more. That was lovely. (laughs) (laughs) That was an improper summation. This... This question is from Christian. It says, what am I doing wrong? My miters are never perfect. Always just a, off a bit. I'm a hybrid woodworker. My box joints are good. My dovetails are square. Not a simple miter. Mm. I have every angle gauge known to mankind and still off. WTF. Please help. Mm-hmm. P.S. I'm one of the crazy people who eight months ago found your podcast and started at the beginning. And... Yes, I'm caught up. Whoa, That's terrifying. Wow. That's a lot in eight months. I is mean, it the same after that experience. If you Yikes. play them back to back, how long is it? I feel like no, we could easily. No f- one like, knows. If you listen to it continuously, it probably would take eight months to listen to everything. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't Maybe know. No did. one's ever done the math on that. He said he just listened. He didn't say that he actually like heard it. Right. <laughs> <laughs> he had it playing overnight mm-hmm. while he was sleeping. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Just, it's good sound machine. He got stuff. it all. Yep. <laughs> Okay. All right. So miter joinery is probably one of the more challenging and tricky things that you can kind of get into in uh, woodworking. I'm not really sure if we're talking about miters like a picture frame. We're talking like miters like beveling the ends of a board and making a box that looks like it's mitered and wraps around all the way around. So I'll go through and talk about a few little things. So first off, I think if you don't have like perfectly milled stock, like nice and flat, nice and square, nice and parallel, you're going to have a god-awful time trying to get those miters to actually be, like, air quotes, perfect. Because if you're trying to cut something like that and that board's moving like if you're doing it on a table saw and your board has, like, a cup in it and you're trying to rip a uh, cross-cut, like, a bevel on the end to make that miter joint for a box and that board has a cup in it, as you go over it, the miter is actually changing all the way across the entire thing. So that board has to be, like, dead flat down to the table the whole time as you're feeding it through. Otherwise, you're going to be chasing yourself with this another kind of interesting thing is okay you got angle gauges but i feel like if you have angle gauges that are accurate and you're checking your work pieces then it shouldn't be as big of a problem so one common thing that i see a lot of people doing and having problems with is that they set their table saws to 45 i think it's at the 45 and they never check the work pieces see if it actually cuts the work piece at 45 <laughs> so mm-hmm. if you have the angle gauge should be used on your work piece after you set up your saw just to confirm mm-hmm the cut you're getting is actually there and where it needs to be. The other thing that I've done in the past to kind of tweak things is use a hand plane. I mean, you're a hybrid woodworker. It's very easy to take your angle gauge and your hand plane at the bench and just bring that angle right back to exactly 45. If for whatever reason, one board didn't come off the table saw perfectly at 45, you can tweak it pretty easily. Then the kind of the last thing with this is if you're making that perfect mitered box, a frame, a box, whatever, the two opposing sides have to be exactly the same length. Like yeah. ex- yes. exactly yes. the same length. That's There's a no like way to getting away off. from it kind of thing. 
And that becomes increasingly difficult if you're trying to do a mitered case piece because then you need to make sure your piece is actually cut square on the end. Because if it's cut at some kind of weird angle and the meeting piece on the bottom is cut at the opposite angle for whatever reason because you're not cutting perfectly square, that's going to throw things off too. Mm-hmm. So square and 45. There's actually two angles. It's a compound cut. It's 90 and 45. Mm-hmm. Those are a few things. To kind of it's good. Help, maybe. Maybe help. Good primer. Good primer. No, I mean, if if uh, the thing that gets me on stuff where I make a mistake here, if the piece that I'm cutting or the way that I'm cutting it, it's not secured well, yep. even just a little tiny slip. And when you're cutting a miter, let's say with, you know, t- let's say you're doing it on a table saw and you've got a miter gauge, if you don't have something stopping that or a real good grip, it doesn't take much pressure for that thing just to slip just a little yeah, bit. Because the and cut now, force is trying to push it. Yeah, exactly. And not only, so um, you'll have like a curve. Not only do you, uh, Right, you, you might you might not only have an angle that's slightly off, but now you may have a length issue, like Matt was talking about, that makes it even worse. Yeah, and it's a cumulative joint. Yes, you know yeah. it's cut the same way, and so you set it up and you take make four cuts, but if it's off half a degree, now the entire box is off what two, two. degrees? Two, you know, okay. <gasps> two degrees. Pretty yeah, good, man. It's hard to line up. Honestly, <laughs> I've found, and and this is not a, a hand tool thing. It's more of like. To quote Christopher Schwartz, a coarse, medium, and fine thing. Mm. Um, miters, to me, I never expect them to go together right off the saw. If my coarse cut, whether I'm using a handsaw or a table saw or a miter saw or whatever, there's always additional fettling that I plan to make work in the final assembly. And I don't even really bother to mess with the individual joint. Like to Matt's point of like holding the gauge up to the joint, that that's great. But I've had like perfect looks perfect on the angle gauge. Mm-hmm. And then when you put all four together, that imperceptible, like, you know, yeah, 0.08 of a degree that's different yeah. that I can't see because I didn't hold it up to the light or whatever, it compounds and it shows up. So I always expect to do a little bit of hand planing or if I'm really lazy, just glue it together and like burnish over the edges. <laughs> so <that laughs> yeah. A little Grab bit of glue screwdriver. and kind of... Sure. Yeah, it's perfect. Well, hey, to, if it worked for David Marks, it works for me. So that's right. I'm all over that. Yeah. To that end, one thing that I like to do if I'm really getting picky about the miters is I cut two samples. So with two samples, you put those two together. Instead of using the 45-degree yep. gauge, you get a square. And if those yeah. two are square, you have at least have doubled your error. It's a little easier to see that by eye than the single 45-degree. Um, so that's that's a method that works for me pretty well. Okay, cool. I think that's going to do it for us. Well, family-owned since 1954, Rockler is your go-to source for high-quality and innovative woodworking tools, finishing supplies, hardware, lumber, and expert advice. Whether you're building a simple bookshelf, a custom desk, or new kitchen cabinets, Rockler has everything you need to make your next project a success. Visit rockler.com and use the code WOODTALK, all one word, to receive free shipping on most orders over $49. And remember to head to rockler.com slash woodtalk to enter for your chance to win a $250 gift card. All right. And then tell us what you bought with it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Especially if you used it for, uh, what what did I call it? Fest, Festine? Festine products? Yes, Festine, I think is what it <laughs> yeah. was. Show us all the Festine products that you've purchased. So, great questions this week, folks. We actually got to talk about woodworking techniques. That's awesome. I so, like send more questions in about woodworking. We might actually talk about it. You never mm-hmm. know. Go to woodtalkshow.com to submit your questions or send us an email at woodtalkshow at gmail.com. Or hit us up on Instagram. We're also Wood Talk Show there as well. And I was actually told by three separate people um, over the last week that uh, we should mention our YouTube channels. More importantly, I should mention my YouTube channel because apparently what? everyone knows where Mark and Matt's YouTube channels are. Fine. But what? yes. 
not not just the Wood Talk YouTube, but also Mac Cremona's YouTube channel and the Wood Whisperer and the Renaissance Woodworker. We all have our own YouTube channels and we've been putting videos out there for longer than YouTube's been a thing. So there okay. we go. There are many places to get us. Indeed. Go look them up. And look, just for the record, I'm at the Wood Whisperer on YouTube and Matt's at uh, Mac Cremona. Yes. Oh, thank you. Yes. And I'm at... Yeah. Just in case, cannot assume. You cannot assume these things. You never know. Yeah, that's true. All right. Well, thank you for listening, everyone, and we will catch you next time. Goodbye. Goodbye. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more and it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.